Hi, Neil. It's been a busy month for the council. Once again, there's a whole pile of uh, reports and documents that go on public exhibition for people to make comments on, all the way through from a draft economic development and tourism strategy, i.e. a particular focus on the vegetation mapping update, a draft walking and cycling strategy, and there's a few other items as well. There's something on strategies for disability inclusion, action plan and development. And there's a bit of another item on play areas in the Shire. So where would you like to start? Look, uh, I guess I, I would like to start, in fact, to referring back to the bit of a kerfuffle we've, you know, been following down at Karingai Council over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the point I'm going to make is a lot of the problems that they're having down there is because the public didn't engage sufficiently with their housing strategy that had been on display for some months. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm coming around to your feeling now that it's important to know what's happening in council because if you don't take at least a passing interest in it, the next thing you know, they're going to be putting up, uh, you know, 20-storey high-rises in your backyard. Um, I'm exaggerating a bit, but council <laughs> is important, I think. So where do we start? Well, actually, I wouldn't mind following up on what you've just said there. I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, and I, I agree with you. I think as community members, you need a three-point plan when it comes to engaging with councils, whether you're over on the other side of Hills or you're with Karinga or if you're in Hornsby. I think the number one priority is you have to build awareness. And you build awareness by just keeping your eye, eyes and ears close to the ground and seeing what's happening in the community. The second thing you need to do is to build your knowledge base so you're actually informed. And congratulations on that interview you did last week on the Kringai Council because that was really informative for me because I wasn't aware of it. So listening to your interview helped me build my awareness and my knowledge of what's happening um, down with our southern neighbours, so to speak. And then the third thing you have to do, I think, as a community member is think about at what level are you prepared to engage with whatever the issue is. And this council meeting we have this month on the 14th of October, once again, has a whole lot of items for consideration. And you, if you keep track of one theme that you're interested in, you're able to see the patterns and the trends and who the key stakeholders are and things like that. So I just wanted to sort of you know, touch on that following up your statement about people being community involved. Uh, the vegetation mapping uh, issue continues. Uh, what's on the agenda for council next week? Yeah, very much so. Item 10 is a planning proposal vegetation mapping update. And as, as we've done on the show and has been in the local media as well and social media, there's been a lot of discussion about vegetation mapping. And they're commissioning now a Ecological Australia to update the vegetation mapping um, in, the, in the Shire. And it's going to involve many of the things that were sort of proposed and accepted by the council meeting. So for example, they're going to do a public exhi um, exhibition of it and they endorse the Hornsby Development Control Plan attached to the developers, the director's report on it. So they, and they're also going to exhibit it for submissions to the council. So it's actually gone to the next step where they're basically going to do vegetation mapping of all types of vegetation. That's my understanding within the 10 metres of people's boundaries in the Shire, which is nothing okay. new. It's what, it's what happened in the council meetings that we all went through over the last couple of months. 
That's right. And I mean, my feeling with this has always been the more information council has, the better the better decisions that they can make. I would think so. And I think now the community doesn't have an excuse because there's been plenty of coverage about this. And if you... There sure you, has. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think people know what the issue is now. And once again, there are elements in the community that it's, they're really passionate about it and they can follow it closely. Then other people are just at that, what we call that level, that first level of awareness that is happening. So I think it's each, people pick and choose what they're interested in, but that one is um, progressing, you could say. Okay. And what else have we got? Look, I'm particularly, if you talk about this whole notion, I'm talking about building awareness, knowledge and, and becoming engaged with the issues. I'm particularly interested in the walking and cycling strategy. Um, for two reasons, I've been sort of involved with um, Cycling North and the Pennant Hills District Civic Trust with their work on the Pennant Hills to Epping Cycleway, a five-kilometre cycleway that got some funding from the state government to do a bit of planning and the rest of it. And then I've also been involved, as you may remember, with a, an idea, the Six Places Walk in the Shire. And this a study... Fantastic idea, yeah. And generally a very popular... Uh, a movement, isn't it? Very much so. And this draft walking and cycling strategy is really detailed and I really recommend the community to look at it. Let's face it, a lot of people like the Shire because of the bushland, the ability to get outside, to be able to do a few things. And this draft strategy really does a sophisticated approach to investigating all the different transport corridors, and walking and running and cycling and not just cycle paths and mountain biking they're talking about cycle paths on roads they're not talking about just trails for people to walk along they're talking about urban footpath walking routes and things like that so what i found interesting in reading the report is is that there were multiple stakeholders and once again i had an awareness of this but i had no idea of the i had no knowledge to stick with the theme I've built up here, of the different stakeholders and owners of the different land that these walking paths go through. And to connect the different suburbs of the Shire or the different places, that's the language the council uses, you need to have these different areas connecting through to the different places. And by places, I mean suburbs, I guess. And I was particularly interested in this idea of the Great North Walk. And if you know the Great North Walk, which most of us do, there's only one point where it officially crosses between the north and the south side of uh, Pennant Hills Road, which is at Thornley. And I was particularly impressed to see that they're doing some work now in this plan to bring the Cherry Brook walking trails in the West Pennant Hills, the North Epping and the... Beecroft and the Cheltenham walking trails all together. And they're talking about also linking the Wesley Thornley trails through to the transport hub. So I'm hoping that there might be a little bit of a hub going through Pennant Hills, because think of Pennant Hills where I am, I know I'm being parochial here, is, is that you've got a good transport hub, you've got trains, you've got buses, and people can come in and out of these areas, can go south or north and actually really explore the community. The second thing about the, the cycling and the walking uh, draft strategy plan is this, is that they've gone to a lot of trouble to think about other things they'll put there. So, for example, signage. 
not only signage to find out where to go, where you can drop in and out of the different suburbs and places, but also signage about historical artefacts, cultural um, things in the area. The, the historical side of, the, say, the zigzag rail part, not rail, the zigzag trail from Thornley, and also, of course, anything to do with the First Nation people that is in the Shire in those areas that we're allowed to have access to if, um, if we're allowed to. So I'm really impressed with this as a draft strategy, and if people are interested in it, they probably just need to jump in and download the P PDF for item 11, the draft walking and cycling strategy. So once again, if you've got I, something you're interested in, I think just go for it and have a good read. And there's great maps there as well, showing you all the different places and suburbs. Yeah, so the, uh, I mean, your passion for this particular project is showing through. And I think it's important for people to realise, and you know, if you want to improve these walking tracks, it's not just a matter of driving up a bulldozer and then throwing a bit of gravel on the ground. There's a lot of planning and thought goes into it beforehand. Oh, look, 100%. I'm not doing justice to the document. So I would highly recommend you just hit that PDF button, download it, put it on your desktop, and when you get a chance, just sort of put the thumbnails up and then click through the different images, look at the maps, and you get a real sense of the work and the background and the theory behind and the policy development around this approach. Tick to the council officers and the directors involved. It's a top-notch document. Great. Uh, what else is on uh, next week then? Um, there's a couple of, there's a number of very interesting items. Um, towards the earlier in the agenda, if you go to agenda item two, and that's the draft economic development and tourism strategy for 2020 to 2025. And you may have noticed, Neil, and the listeners in the community have been listening to our interviews we've had with the local council officers, uh, sorry, the local councillors, sorry. A few of them have mentioned the word tourism in the Shire. And I, I sort of flagged it with them. Where's this coming from? Because I've seen nothing written anywhere about it. And sure enough, item one, item two, sorry, on the council meeting next Wednesday, the 14th of October, is the draft economic development and tourism strategy for um, a 42-day public exhibition. So I think there's a couple of interesting things that are happening just there. Um, what are your thoughts about, about that from that point of view, tourism in the Shire? Well, there's... there's I think there is a case to be made. Um, the, the waterways, I think, uh, and the, um, you know, some tourism operators, I, I think, are probably uh, suffering. The, the small number that we have up here uh, uh, operating, I think, um, so there's an opportunity, I think, to, to build up some sort of tourism around the, the waterways there. I mean, there's the good old Hornsby Fountain. People come from all over the world to get their photo taken in front of the Hornsby fountain but then what do they do afterwards you know you're exactly mean? right I, I remember um I, I think it might have been vince but it also might have been um Ron warren waddell as well is it wasn't so much building like a hunter valley spots in the rural area it was actually getting people to come to hornsby stay in hornsby and then go off up to the river areas or head out to the Glenora area and have a look at the small farms and things like that. So they actually want to have Hornsby as the hub for people to come into and they go out to the different areas. So to, to facilitate that, you know, they've got a couple of priorities in this item, item two. They want to connect the Shire by doing a sort of a survey of the small and home-based businesses to see what their sort of composition is in the area 
and to see how they can serve the community and maybe part of a tourist side of things. They also want and to see what's they, they, Yeah, they'd have to build up the accommodation in Hornsby, though, isn't there? They, they, there's no... If you arrive at Hornsby, you know, look around the train station, as, you know, tourists or visitors would do, you don't see any big sign that says, you know, Backpackers Hostel or, you know, here's the uh, Hornsby Hilton. There's nothing like that. There's a couple of motels out there and that's about it. That's a very good point. I wonder if that's part of the east side strategy when they start I building. I so. Yeah, I hope and That so. would be good. And also, I guess the other way that they could talk about it, their priority too is to have some sort of partnerships and key project objectives. So maybe that's connecting with different organisations and plans into the future. So that would be interesting as well. And they're also talking about this idea of, um, they call it the smart and innovative Hornsby Shire, where they want to look at the digital and smart city opportunities. I'm not sure what that would involve, but once again, that's all in the document if people want to look at it. And probably also, you've nailed it, Neil, priority four, destination Hornsby Shire, commission and the preparation of a Hornsby Shire destination management plan for river and rural communities. So your well, instinct you was right. Yeah, but I think this is the sort of thing, I mean, uh, we, you know, rail against the sort of uh, build-up of the population in Hornsby and the number of people coming in. But this is one of the benefits of an increased population around this area as well as that, it, you know, the local population can partially support, um, you know, these tourist facilities. And then as the tourism builds up, uh, things will get better and better, I think. And look, and if they're staying in the Shire... Priority five is really good too because they, they come back, they'll go to restaurants and cafes after a day wandering around and that'll bring people into the community. In fact, priority five is. Um, and it looks at ways to which they can improve the nighttime economy in Hornsby Town Centre. So you can see yeah. it's all part of a total, total passage. And I know I'm a huge fan of the council, but when you look at these documents, as you and I have been doing for a number of years and talking to people, there's an awful lot of planning consideration gone into this. Yeah, yeah, and, and quite rightly so. That's good. Is there anything else? Oh, there's plenty. There's, um, if you're interested in catchment remediation, there's a bit of a review happening there and people on the different committees. The draft play plan, that's quite interesting because that's about the playgrounds in the community. And what's interesting about that is that it's got part of a plan to sort of basically once again have a 42-day uh, period where the public can consult with it. And hence, back to my point before, you can't do everything. You know, if you're interested in the play plan, you could spend a whole month just researching that to try and get your head around it. But they've got a number of examples there of what they want to do to try and improve the situation there. There are, they've got plans to, for a net increase of 17 play spaces across the Shire, focusing on high-growth areas in the area or in areas where there's inadequate supply. So if you're in an area of the Shire where you think there's a demand for more play places, I remember actually when I was living in Galston, in um, Nancy Place in Galston, there's a little laneway to a little park area there that had some play equipment that was so old it was still that um, uh, tree to pine play equipment. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah like that. And um, I remember yeah. I put in a letter, this was back in the 90s, you know, what can be done to fix it up? I don't know what happened with it. It was before I got more involved like I am now. But this is where people, if they live in a particular area of the Shire and they want to, you know, improve the playground equipment for 
even if it's just for elderly accessible people to go for walks or if it's just for young children, um, fathers and mothers with their young children to do things. If your suburb's not in the space, this is the item for you to have a closer look at on the council meeting coming up next week. Yeah, so it's all sort of important stuff happening, isn't it? Uh, you, you do feel that uh, council is trying to get something done before the election next year. Look, very much and so. I, I, and uh, I guess the, the only other one I'd like to consider is the item nine as well, which was the Hornsby Employment Land Study. And to be honest, I haven't had a really close look at that, but I think it will probably quite clearly involve the business and commercial side of what's happening in what locations in the different areas of the Shire. So I guess at this point, Neil, um, unless there's anything else you want to add, there's an awful lot happening there. And if you, it's once again a council meeting. It starts at 6.30. Uh, you need to go to the council website to find the link if you to see it live. And so it'll be like a sort of a, a Brady Bunch screen um, for you to look at on um, Zoom or the equivalent of yeah. Zoom. And if you want to make any public submissions, you have to have your equivalent written of three-minute public submission by 12 o'clock on the day of the council meeting. So once again, at the point of labouring the message, if you've got anything of interest that piques your attention from the council meeting, head over to the council website, do a Google search of um, Hornsby Business Papers, click right down the bottom for the date, the 14th of October, and have a close look at all the different PDFs and documents. And if you want to do it quickly, just go to the top of the page and just look at the summary of the agenda items. Excellent. Okay. Uh, eyes and ears. Um, I've just got the one item this week. Yeah. Uh, it's, this, this is like a, a big event for me. Uh, I've just started reading the new... Uh, novel by Eleanor Ferranti, uh, or Ferranti, um, who may remember put out a, what's the word for four books, a quadrilogy, trilogy, <laughs> something like that, um, of, uh, you know, a life of two, uh, two children growing up in Naples. And uh, now she's now coming out with another book. It's called The Lying Life of Adults, which is uh, very interesting. Uh, it starts off, uh, you know, just to set the scene on a few chapters into it now. Um, the story begins with a 13-year-old um, girl wandering past the open door to her parents' bedroom and overhears her father, who she adores and loves and, you know, feels a special bond towards, telling her mother that their daughter is ugly. Right. And so the, the plot then starts off from there or the story starts off from there and what Eleanor Ferranti does really really well is she, you feel like you're inside the head of these people and you can imagine how devastating it would be for a 13 year old girl right at, at that sort of precarious age to hear her father describe her as ugly um, and uh, it then leads to um, you know an exploration of the, you know the two families and all sorts of things happening after that. But once again, it's just like a pleasure to pick up a book where, you know, it's just so well written that the characters are so human. And so you feel like you know them and they lead you off into a sort of like moral and ethical quandary that, um, you know, you may or may not have either faced yourself or seen in other people's lives. So uh, highly recommended, Eleanor Ferranti, The Lying Life of Adults. What about you, Martin? 
just an observation, if I may, about your book that you you read. Uh, it's fascinating, you know, what what people go through in their lives and what they pick up and what they remember, like a little snippet of walking by a door that's open that can have a huge impact on their life. And you see those people walking the street and you never know what's do, what's going on in their heads and how they're feeling about themselves. So it's just, just a nice message just to be aware and be kind that everyone's got their own yeah. stuff to deal with. You do, you do. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking to seeing how this uh, this book works out. Now, what have you been up to? Well, Neil, I've gone back to, again. I seem to be just drawn to the period when Australia was found around, you know, around the 1790s up to about 1810. But not so much Australia this time, but what else was happening in the world at the time? And basically, if you think of it, it was the beginning of the, the French Revolution. It was oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. England looking for other colonial outposts because of the American Revolution. And in particular, I came across this book called Amazing Grace. And I came across it, I was, well, um, if, just bear with me, I was mm. running home from work and I stopped at Thorn Lee and on the side of the road was a box of books. And in the box of books, there was a sign that said, grab whatever you're interested in. I looked through the books and the books were very, of a very um, high evangelical nature biblical and things like that and I wasn't particularly interested in those but they had a couple of biographies that were really interesting and I came across this one here called Amazing Grace about William Wilberforce. I don't know if you know much about William Wilberforce. He was an English politician. He was he was sort of out of that sort of uh, secular mould to start with and then he got influenced by uh, John Wesley and Newton and a few people like that who were... Um, with, uh, who were Baptists. But his story is about two themes that he pursued for 60, 70 years of his life. One was about having good manners, which I'll just park over on the side, a society where manners are important, where people have good manners. But the other one was the abolition of slave trade. And the, wow. mm. and the story is an absolutely fascinating story about him and his drive, and it consumed him for his whole life. He didn't come from a poor background. He had friends in high places. He was actually a friend of William Pitt, who was the, was the first and the youngest 24-year-old Prime Minister in Great Britain. Imagine being a 24-year-old and being the head of the country. Mm. If I was Prime Minister at 24, I can't even imagine what my thinking would have been like. I was too busy having a great time. I think we'd still be recovering from it. <laughs> <laughs> but what, so what was really interesting about it was it's a story about how in that era that through his connections with people, he started to live in the same geographical area of other people who had similar views about abolishing slave trade. He was a good friend of a person called Newton who was the person who used to be a slave trade um, Mariner, I guess, captain of a ship who decided it wasn't good enough to do that. And eventually it unweaves or tells the story right through to when he got the abolition of slave trades, the traffic of slaves from Africa to essentially Central America, okay? 
And he was the inspiration for people 20, 30, 40 years later, like Lincoln, to actually do the next step of the abolition of slavery. And I actually hadn't drawn that connection between there was a 50, 60 year cycle of get, getting that solution to that issue. So that's called Amazing Grace. I have since found out there's a movie also about it in 2006 called Amazing Grace as well. So it's not a religious book. I just found it just really fascinating to follow this whole story about how in that era where I've got a bit of interest, meanwhile over in England they're trying to get rid of the slave trade, meanwhile in Australia they're developing a colonial outpost, meanwhile in America they've just created a new nation. So I think the world was a really fascinating place at that time and all these little things came together for me because I was running home from work and saw a box full of books. <laughs> well, that's serendipity, isn't it? 